Good morning, Ascent family. I am so excited to be with you all because this is the 1020 service. I'm not a morning person. These are my people right here. <laughs> and for those of you who are visiting with us for the first time, welcome. We're so happy to have you with us. Um, as Bill was saying, Maurice and I moved to Colorado this time last year, and a lot of times now I get a lot of texts from family and friends, and they ask me, how are you liking Colorado? And my response is usually this, my husband has his dream job, and I have my dream girls. And what I mean by that is that I get the privilege to walk alongside and do life with some really really amazing girls. And if I have any high school girls in the building this morning, can I see a hand raise? High school girls, where you at? All right, I see you, I see a few, okay. Um, awesome, so enough about me. Um, the past few weeks, we've been in a series called Do You Believe in Miracles? And every week, we look at a specific miracle Jesus performed, what that meant then, and what that means to us today. And last week, Bill talked about the miracle of Jesus feeding 5,000 people with two fish and five loaves of bread. And that message was really encouraging to me because it reminds me of what Jesus can do when we just surrender our little to him. Whether it's a little bit of time, a little bit of money, a little bit of talent, a little bit of resources, nothing is too little for God to work with. And today... I get the privilege of closing out the miracle series, talking about the miracle of Jesus calming the storm. And this miracle is talked about three different times in the Bible, in Mark 4, Luke 8, and Matthew 8. And today I'm just going to focus on what Mark 4 says, and we're just going to dive on in. But before I pray, I had quite a few people come up to me during first service and say, oh, I wanted to say this, or I wanted to say amen, or you made me want to yell. I'm telling you right now, go for it. I love it. I'll probably be more goofy and happy if you do it. So feel free. One more thing, one more thing. iPad is running a little low, so if I start singing Tina Turner, Proud Mary, that means I'm transitioning from my iPad to my phone, so brace yourself. <laughs> and I'm really not playing, like, please join in because I cannot sing. I'm not. Mm -mm. All right, so let's pray. Whew. God, I thank you so much for this time together to worship, to pray, um, to learn from you and your word. God, I thank you for every poor person that is here this morning, God. Holy Spirit, I ask that you would just show up, that you would personalize this message to every person, that it would speak to them in such a personal way. I don't know what they need, but you know what they need. God, I ask that you would show up. This is not my message. It's not about me. It's all about you. So God, open our hearts. We're listening. And we're expecting you to do something amazing. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. So before we get into the text, Jesus had just finished teaching by the sea to a large crowd of people, including his disciples. And Jesus' style of teaching included parables. And those are just short stories used to illustrate spiritual lessons. And that leads us right to our text, which is Mark 4, starting at the 35th verse. And I'm just going to read it once all the way through, and then we'll just kind of break it down together. On that day, when evening had come, he said to them, let us go across to the other side. And leaving the crowd, they took with him them in the boat, just as he was. 
and other boats were with him. And a great windstorm arose, and the waves were breaking into the boat, so that the boat was already filling. But he was in the stern, asleep on the cushion. And they woke him and said to him, Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? And he awoke and rebuked the wind and said to the sea, Peace, be still. And the wind ceased, and there was a great calm. He said to them, Why are you so afraid? Have you still no faith? And they were filled with great fear and said to one another, Who then is this that even the wind and sea obey him? Now, there's many times in Scripture where Jesus already knew things that were unknown to everybody else. For example, Jesus already knew which of his 12 disciples was going to betray him. Jesus already knew that one of his disciples, Peter, would deny him three times before the rooster crowed. And he actually told Peter that night that it would happen. Jesus already knew the pain and suffering that he would have to endure on the cross for our sins. Jesus already knew about the Samaritan woman at the well who said she had no husband, but Jesus said she had five. And what that sounds like to me is I'm not personally a fan of the show, but it sounds like some Bible time bachelorette going on. That's what it sounds like to me. So when I read this, that passage, I have to believe that Jesus already knew that a storm was coming. And I think it would have been real easy for Jesus to be like, hey, while we're on the sea, there's going to be this insane storm that happens, but like, don't worry, I got you, relax, Netflix and chill, um, Netflix and chill, wasn't happening in the Bible time, but you get my full point. Jesus could have easily given them a heads up, but he didn't. And that got me thinking, what would it be like if Jesus announced storms before they came in our life? If Jesus said, hey, there's a storm that's going to come in your finances. You're going to lose your job but I'm gonna sustain you for six months and show you that I am your provider. Or Jesus says to someone else, I know marriage is great right now and you're in the honeymoon phase, but there's a storm coming and it's gonna be really, really difficult for you to not quit on each other. But if you can just stick it out, you will be stronger wiser and be able to encourage other couples that are struggling with the same things that you were struggling in. But you know what? If God actually announced our storms to us, there would be no use for faith. Hebrews 11.1 1 says, faith is the confidence that what we hope for will actually happen. It gives us assurance about things we can't see. We don't need faith for something we know is going to happen, for something that we're certain of. We need faith for the unknown. We need faith for things that seem impossible. We need faith for the things that we can't see happening with our physical eyes. Storms aren't announced because God wants us to encounter them with faith. Storms aren't announced because God wants us to encounter them with faith. 
And you know, I've read this passage about Jesus calming the storm and I've also heard it preached a few times in church. And there's something that stood out to me this time that never really stood out before. And I'm just going to go ahead and read verse 35 and verse 36 again. It says, on that day when evening had come, he said to them, let us go across to the other side. And leaving the crowd, they took him with them in the boat just as he was, and other boats were with him. So let's be clear. It was Jesus' idea to go to the other side. The disciples were just simply following where Jesus was leading them. And I don't know about you, but how many times have you felt that you were following where Jesus was leading you, and then a storm came, trouble came, friction came, obstacles came. And you know, I don't know if you guys are anything like me, but sometimes I get blindsided when that happens because my mindset is, okay, I'm being obedient to what God wants me to do. I'm not doing what I want to do. So I'm thinking maybe it'll be smooth sailing. Maybe. And what I've learned is that's definitely not the case. So having Jesus doesn't mean that we are exempt from storms. But it does mean that we are equipped for them. I love them. Amens. Keep them coming. I like it. <laughs> yes. All right. So y'all going to get me too excited. We see that clearly as the disciples follow, follow Jesus to the other side. But that also applies to those of us today that follow Jesus. Putting your faith in Jesus doesn't mean that your life is going to be easy and that you're not going to have any hardship. Jesus actually says in John 16, to his disciples, I have said these things to you, that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation, but take heart, I have overcome the world. He didn't say maybe you would have tribulation. He didn't say possibly you'll have tribulation. He said you will have tribulation. But our relationship with Jesus gives us the ability to have peace and comfort in the midst of a storm. So let's look at that next verse, verse 37. And it says, and a great windstorm arose and the waves were breaking into the boat so that the boat was already filling. Now, for those of you that don't know me, I'm really into movies. I'm really into, like, seeing what's going on. So what I like to do a lot of times is just step right on in the text and put myself um, in whoever shoes I'm reading about. So I want you guys to kind of do that with me. We're going to put ourselves in the disciples' shoes. We are in a boat. I'm assuming it probably looks a little sketchy because this is Bible times. They didn't have all the technology, all that stuff going on. There's a vicious, strong windstorm going on. I'm thinking 60 miles per hour. You know, it's kind of hard to see. I'm getting eyelash in my eye, something in my eye, something like that. And if you are small in stature, I like to say fun size. Um, Uncle Eric King likes to say uh, concentrated. Concentrated, yeah, yeah, concentrated. You may be feeling like the wind is just about to take you up in the air because I know I have felt like that outside when the wind is kind of crazy. So you could be, you know, feeling like that with me. And on top of that, we have the waves breaking into our boat. It's not just like a little splash. These are full-on waves breaking into our boat. And Tyler, I think you have a picture of our white raft, whitewater rafting experience. I went with uh, 
my husband Maurice, Chris, Beth, and some other people. And let me tell you, I was screaming for Jesus every time some water got on my boat. Lord, save me. I'm scared, Jesus. I don't care. I don't know how I'm just supposed to be, like, calm. And, like, look at my face right there. Towards the end, I was kind of feeling myself and having fun. Like, yes, this is awesome. But I'm still scared at the same time. Screaming every single time, even though the first time you kind of get used to it, you know what to expect. I am terrified. Terrified. And for some odd reason, I decided to watch a clip of the Titanic sinking yesterday. (laughs) I watched that video. I see half that large, big boat in the water, people screaming, panicking. And just one thought comes to my mind. Ain't nobody got time for that. Nope, not today. Not today, Jesus. Not doing it. Not doing it. So I thank God that the storms that we actually go through don't look like the storm that's going on in this text because I would be in trouble. But you know what? Just like the men that were on the boat, we have two choices while in a storm. We can either be at peace or be in panic. Now, panic, fear, anxiety, stress, anger, feeling overwhelmed may be our go-to reactions when a storm comes, if we're honest. And when I think about the disciples, I think their trust and their security was in an object. It was in a boat. And they should have had their trust and security in Jesus. How many times do we make that same mistake? We put our faith and our trust in people, in relationships, in jobs, in our abilities. And then a storm comes into our lives and we're in panic because we have misplaced our faith. I decided to do some research on boats at sea in the midst of storms. And I learned something really interesting that I'm gonna read to you. It says a sea anchor, which is also known as a drift anchor, is a device used to stabilize a boat in heavy weather. Rather than tethering the boat to the seabed, the sea anchor increases the drag through the water and thus acts as a brake. When attached to the rear of the vessel, the rear of the ship, um, a sea anchor can prevent the vessel from turning broadside to the waves and being overwhelmed by them. I know that was kind of a mouthful because that was literally copy and paste from the internet. But what it's basically saying is that that sea anchor has the ability to kind of act like a brake and just slow the boat down and also protect the boat from the waves just having its way. As I read that, I was thinking, in order to choose peace in a storm, we have to be anchored to Jesus. And I really love this quote. Yeah, go ahead, keep talking to me, y'all. I love it. Peace is not the absence of conflict but the presence of God, no matter the conflict. Oh, yes, okay. Sorry. I got to be me. They told me to be me, so that's what y'all go get. Um, (laughs) The disciples were so caught up in their circumstances that they forgot who was on the boat with them. Jesus was on the boat with them. King Jesus, Savior, bread of life, Lord of lords, King of kings, healer, Deliverer, Jesus, 
almighty author and perfecter of our faith, that Jesus was on the boat with them. And we have to be mindful that when we're in a storm, Jesus is on that boat with us too. We are not alone. His word says that he will never leave us nor forsake us. And I know sometimes when we get in a storm, we feel like God ain't there. And um, slang is going to come out a little bit, so love me anyway, okay? (laughs) Oh, y'all are the best. 1020. Isaiah 26.3 says, you keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you. Psalm 121, verse 1 through 2 says, I lift up my eyes to the hills. From where does my help come? My help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. And in these times, again, it's so easy to get caught up in our circumstances, what things look like. But we really have to be intentional and shift our focus to Jesus. Because when we do that, then we have that peace that he talks about in Isaiah then we feel that help, then we know that we're not alone. And I'll never forget the time when a storm entered my life and I was 20 years old. I was living in LA, I had my own apartment. Um, Things are really great, to be honest. And then out of nowhere, I get a call from my mom and she says, my sister has a cancerous tumor and they need to start chemotherapy ASAP. At that moment, I don't remember if I responded to my mom or not. But what I do remember is I dropped down to my knees and I just started bawling. I'm not talking about the TV cry that's just one solid tear. This is that ugly cry where you are crying and screaming from the depths of your heart. God, I don't understand. God, why her? And at this time, my sister's, um, she's only 10 years old. And I just look at her as this innocent, sweet little girl. And to be honest, I am like second mom to her. She hates it, but it is what it is. That's, That's my baby. I don't know what it's like to have kids yet, but that is my baby. And I even pled with God and asked him, Can you just give it to me instead? I don't want her to have to go through that. And I'll never forget the day she was in Children's Hospital. I walked into the hospital and I saw her and all her hair was gone. She had beautiful long curly hair and I, again, lost it. And um, this little amazing girl, this is what she does. She comes, sits next to me. She's like, sister, it's okay. It's just hair. I'll just get a wig and I'll be like Beyonce. (laughs) And if you know me, you should know that she is one of my favorite people. So that did make me smile. And at that time, I haven't... I can't think of the last time I smiled because I was so uh, fearful, I was so angry, I was so scared. And at that moment, she was a reminder for me that you can not only have peace in the midst of the storm, but you can have joy. And I think about, you know, some of us who have 
had those storms that affect the health of a loved one, whether you've already experienced it or you're experiencing, you're experiencing it now. Those are challenging. And I just pray that you, you feel that peace that I've talked about, that peace that surpasses all understanding, that comfort, that strength and just knowing you're not alone. So as I promised, my iPad just died. <laughs> and we're rolling, rolling. Sing with me. Rolling on the river. Kind of goes with my theme. Keep singing. I'm rolling. Or in my terms, I'm scrolling. <laughs> scrolling on the found my spot. God is so good. All right. I love y'all, man. I really do. As soon as my family out here. All right, back to the text. Let's stay focused. Stop distracting me. Verse 38. Verse 38 says, but he was in a stern, asleep on the cushion, and they woke him and said to him, teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? Other translations say, do you not care that we are dying? Do you not care that we are drowning? And, you know, I'm a pretty deep sleeper. And as I read this verse, I'm trying to figure out how is Jesus still asleep when all this is going on? Again, water is filling in the boat and Jesus is just, just out. And if you know my husband, Maurice, <laughs> let me tell you, this boy, his spiritual gift is sleep. <laughs> He can fall asleep anywhere, anytime, any day, not a problem. On the bus to, uh, we just got back from Cuba, like it's bumpy and like his head's hitting the window. This dude's just out, <laughs> out. Like, I don't know. I admire you, boo. I really do. You're great. And you know, for us, like, I get how the disciples could feel like, how could Jesus not be doing anything? when what's going on in our life right now. And for us, Jesus being asleep may look a little different. It may be the fact that we're praying and praying and we feel like God is silent. Like we feel that God is not answering us or maybe our storm is getting worse. Things are getting worse and we may feel like God is either ignoring us or that he's abandoned us. And again, that's not the case. God is there and God is aware. Never equate the presence of a storm with the absence of God. God is always there, y'all. No matter what things may look like, no matter what the thoughts in your mind are running, God is there and he got you. So let's look at verse 39. And this is where the miracle happens. I'm really excited about this part. Verse 39. And he awoke and rebuked the wind and said to the sea, peace be still. And the wind ceased and there was a great calm. What's miraculous about this passage to me is the power 
in the words that Jesus spoke. So many times in scripture before Jesus did something miraculous, he spoke. And I'm actually going to walk you through some of the miracles that we talked about the past three weeks where he did that. So week one, Chris talked about the miracle of one of Jesus' disciples, Peter, walking on water. Before Peter walked on water, Jesus spoke. Jesus said, come. And then he was able to walk on water. Week two, Jim talked about the miracle of Jesus turning water into wine. And I know for some of you, you're probably real tuned in for that miracle. Real focus. Real focus. Um, <laughs> keep it real. My people. See? All right. We just having so much fun. I love it. Again, Jesus spoke. He spoke to the servants and gave them very specific instructions. And then they gave that water to their master. And then that water was turned into wine. Last week... Bill, who I call Uncle Bill, talked about the miracle of Jesus feeding 5,000 people with two fish and five loaves of bread. Again, Jesus spoke. He took that two fish. He took those five loaves of bread. He spoke a blessing, and then he broke it. And then miraculously, it was able to feed 5,000 people. There is a scripture that I learned um, in the very early stages of my walk with God, and it is Proverbs 18.1. It says, death and life are in the power of the tongue, and those who love it will eat its fruit. There is power not only in the words Jesus says, but in the words that we say. And you know, there's so many people of different religions that aren't even Christian and agree with that. They believe in the power of words. That's why you hear people talking about um, positive affirmations and mantras and uh, commanding your morning, things like that. And you know, speaking positively is a great start. It is awesome. But what I think God really wants us to take away from this miracle is not just speaking positively, but speaking powerfully. And the way we do that is speaking the word. In Hebrews it says that the God of God's word is alive and active. It's powerful. It's sharper than any two-edged sword. And that's what we get to speak over our storms. That's what we get to speak over our marriages. That's what we get to speak over our church, over our family, over our community, over our friends, over every single aspect of our life, our dreams. I speak God's word over my dreams daily. And I really believe that is like the golden ticket, Willy Wonka. And you know, I won't promise you that speaking God's word will give you instant results like we read in this text. It would be really cool if it did, but realistically, that's not going to be the case. But what I will say is speaking God's word will shift your thoughts and your feelings, and they will be more in tune and in alignment with the fruit of the Holy Spirit. The fruit of the Holy Spirit is love, is joy, is peace, is kindness, is gentleness, is faithfulness, and self-control. 
This is actually my favorite miracle because storms happen to everybody. It doesn't matter if you're a believer, unbeliever, or maybe you're somewhere in that middle place. Storms happen to all of us. And we can be encouraged again to know that none of us are exempt. But if you have put your faith in Jesus, you are equipped for storms. You can have that peace. You can have that comfort. Before I close and pray us out, I just want to echo a question that Jesus asked his disciples after the storm had calmed down. Why are you so afraid? Why are you so afraid? I am with you. I did not give you a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and a sound mind. God is saying, I got you. God is saying, you're not alone because I'm right there with you. And yeah, unlike the disciples, we don't get to have the tangible presence. We don't get to have the person of God with us. But his spirit dwells on the inside of us. The Holy Spirit is called a helper, a comforter, an advocate. And that's who we have on the inside of us. I'm loving y'all. I just want to pray for us right now. God, I thank you so much for this time together. I thank you, Lord, that we have been reminded today that we cannot just speak positively over our storms, over our life, but we can speak powerfully. And I don't know if there's anybody in here today who is in a storm right now, who is fearful, who is scared, who is angry, who is overwhelmed. But I pray, Lord, that they would press into you and press past their emotions, God, so they can tap into that peace that surpasses all understanding. They can tap into your strength. They can tap into your joy, God. I thank you for speaking to us. I thank you, God, for meeting us here. I pray, Lord, that this word transforms us and we just go into the week, continuing to keep this in the forefront of our minds and our hearts. We praise you, God, for all you're doing. We love you so much. In Jesus' name, amen. Y'all give Aisha a big round.